Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. So this morning, let's jump into the word. I want to title this, Where is the Seed? And, um, you know, I love speaking spiritual principles. There's Spiritual principles are important. We need principles. Many times when I get up, I'm usually hitting a spiritual principle of some way to help us grow. You don't need fluffy words. You need principles of life. How do I live this Christian life? How do I walk in God's principles for my life? And that's important. And what are those principles? And so we have classes where we teach the principles of God. In fact, we got coming up in in April, we got our origins class restarting, which is like a 24 week class, which is amazing. And actually, my wife and I are going to be teaching it live. And so that you, you may want to get some of these principles into your life. I'm excited about that. But principles are important. And there's a principle called faith, seed faith, seed faith. How do I operate in seed faith and why does it matter? And if you and if you search and you look at some of the different concepts around seed faith, it's been mishandled throughout the years. It has. But the principle is still true. And as a believer, Uh, It can make all the difference in the world is how do I operate in seed faith? Why is seed faith important? And so I want to talk about that because every year around Easter time, we have a offering, a seed faith offering. We call it first fruits offering, but it's a seed faith offering we do. And and it's, it's important for you to understand why we do it. And I know many of us, we've heard teaching on seed faith. We've heard teaching on first fruits. But I think there's some that are online or some that are in the building that maybe you've never heard. Maybe you're a younger person. You've never understood it. You need to understand it even as somebody that's younger. How does God work in my life? How does God do miracles in my life? What is, how does God do things? I remember going back probably about 15 years ago. Um, we were on vacation in Florida um, and uh, we were in Orlando and we said, you know, let's go over Sunday. Let's go over to Mark Sharona's church. He, had a church. he has a church there in Orlando. So we were excited. We went over and we were just going to sneak in. We know Pastor Sharona. And so we were just going to sneak in and just not, not, you know, just enjoy the word and then leave and sneak out. And so um, as we got in there, all of a sudden we, we, we are ready for the preaching of the word. And, and Pastor Seymour gets or Pastor Sharona gets up and says, OK, now we're going to have Pastor Bob Seymour get up and talk about first fruits. Well, those of us who've lived here long enough know Pastor Seymour has been here many, many times, many years. And uh, he's since gone on to be with the Lord. But he's been he's a tremendous influence in my life for first fruits. And so as soon as I heard that, I, I, I was torn. I was torn in two ways. One way was I was excited. My spirit was excited. It's going to be fed. But my flesh struggles. My flesh struggles sometimes with spiritual things spiritual principles, because seed faith requires faith. Faith always costs you something. And faith always has a price. It's like fasting. My spirit is rejoicing. My flesh is going, ugh. But my spirit is like, this is going to be great. But my flesh doesn't like to fast. My flesh doesn't like to pray. My flesh doesn't like to worship. My flesh doesn't like to do things that get me closer to God, things that drive me. So when I heard he was speaking, I was both excited and I was like, uh, I've heard this before. I know. But God 
I, I knew there was, a, there was a word that I needed to hear. And I knew God was going to speak to me if I just opened myself up to listen. And I feel like that this morning. God's got a word for you, but Satan wants you to disengage and miss what God's got for you. And so you have to purposely engage your spirit this morning. When we talk about seed faith, we talk about the concept of first fruits. I know first fruits can mean two different things. It can mean um, the first uh, of your paycheck, like your tithe. And, but it, can also, it also means that once a year offering. And let me show you what I mean by that. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. If you, if you want to write down a, a definition, I, I'll give you this. First fruits is a seed we plant in faith. First fruits is a seed. It's a seed that we plant in faith, in worship and honor to God for all that He's done and all that He will do this year. So it's a seed. We thank God for last year, but it's a seed for what he's going to do this year. We honor the Lord with our first fruits. It's an honoring of the Lord. In Nehemiah, they talk about it and it says, we promise to bring the first part of the harvest of the Lord's temple year after year. That's Nehemiah 10, 35. In Nehemiah 12, 44, it says at the same time, uh, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse for offerings, first fruits, and tithes. So we see in Nehemiah 12 and 44, there's three different storehouses. There's a storehouse for the tithes, there's a storehouse for the offerings, and there's a storehouse for the first fruit. What is first fruit? It's that faith seed. We see it in the New Testament when God gave his only son, Jesus, as a first fruit for our salvation. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who fall asleep. So we see Christ was the first fruit for our salvation. We see that in the word of God. So it's, not, it was, it's over 50 times that word is used in the Bible. But here's, here's the word that I want to put some emphasis on is the word faith. So what is seed faith and why is it important? Hebrews 11.1 1 said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I have to have faith to engage myself in the promises of God for my life. Without faith, it will profit me nothing. I read that scripture last week. The word mixed with faith profits me. And so I've got to take the word that's coming this morning. Every week when I preach, every week, every time you listen to somebody on YouTube or a podcast or whatever it is, if you don't mix the word with faith, or if God speaks a word or you're reading the Bible and you don't mix it with faith, the Bible says it won't profit you anything. It won't be of any value to you. So you've got That's why the world looks at our scriptures and says, ah, there's no value there. That's just an old book because they're not mixing it with faith. And faith does not happen for unbelievers. You can't have faith in God if you're not saved. And so the faith has to be mixed with the word. 
And so faith is important to produce what God's calling us to do. James 2, 26 says, without faith, or, so faith without works is dead. So I need to, faith to do what he's called me to do, to do what he wants me to do, and to see God prosper me. So there's not only faith, faith is beyond a wish. A lot of people wish for something. Oh, I wish I could have a better car. I wish I could have a, a better home. I wish I could have a better job. I wish I could have a better spouse. Whatever you think you want faith for, you, you wish, I wish, I, I wish, I wish. Wishing isn't faith. You can wish for a lot of things. But faith requires works. It requires you to do something. You can wish for better kids. Oh, I wish I had better kids. Well, there's a faith involved and then there's works involved. If you're going to have better kids, you have to discipline them. There's the works that's involved in better kids. And so you just can't wish, oh, I wish I had better kids. If you don't do the works that get them to be better, you're not going to have better kids. Wishing doesn't produce anything. And so we've got to have that spiritual law of faith and seed faith working in our lives. So when we talk about seed faith, what does that mean? Think of it like this. Think of it like you want a beautiful tree to grow in your yard. You're wishing, man, I'd love to have a tree. You're praying, God, give me a tree in my yard. God, I would love to see a big, beautiful fruit tree or a big, beautiful whatever tree in my yard. God, I, please, I have faith to believe you for that tree. You can have faith to believe for that tree. And could God do it? Yes. Will he do it? Probably not. And here's why. Because God has principles, and one of his principles is he requires a seed to be planted. You plant the seed, you'll probably see the tree. There's something that you're supposed to do. You can have faith, you can believe God, but there's a seed attached to that word so that you can see the tree come to pass. You can wish for something to change all day long, but if you don't plant a seed and keep planting seeds and to see God fulfill his promise or his word over your life, a lot of people get a word from God and expect God just to do it. But the word of God is a seed that you're supposed to do something. You know, we've all been given seeds of children. Many of us, many of us have seeds of children that we've been given. Well, if I don't plant them in education, their minds are not going to grow. I've got to plant their minds in the places where they can grow. I've got to plant their, their spirit in places where it can grow. I, I, I can say, well, I've got kids. I'm sure just because now that I have kids, I, I, they'll just naturally grow. They won't. You can have 20-year-old kids who don't know anything, that have no schooling, have no training, don't know the basics of anything because you didn't put in the works that's required for them to grow and become strong and, and grown, mature adults. You just can't pray for the harvest. You have to seed for the harvest. If there's something you're believing for, many times it requires a seed. You are a seed. You're a seed to this earth. You have been given as a seed. What are you doing with the seed you've been given? Your brain. How are you using your mind? 
your body? Are you working? What are you doing with your finances that you've been given? What are you doing with your possessions? What are you doing with your time? It's a seed. What are you doing with that? And so that's, I wanted to kind of lay that foundation and then really jump into our text here in a minute. This year, we've been talking about above and beyond. And we felt like the theme for this year was God was going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. According to the power that works in us. That's Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. So there's a part that works in me. I've got to do something. There's a part that God wants to work through me. God just doesn't want to do the work. But if he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think, what is my part in that? What do I have to do? I also recognize this year, while it's been a difficult year for many, it's been a great year for others. God has continued to bless and pour out, but there has been many who struggled this year for various reasons. And for some, when you mention the concept of above and beyond, they're not even at ground level. They're just like, above and beyond, what are you talking about? Above and beyond, I can barely get my head above water. Above and beyond is above and beyond where you are right now. So whether you feel like you're at the ground level or below ground level, you feel like you're depressed, you feel like you're overwhelmed, you feel like God wants to take you above and beyond. Some people think their life will never change. Some people think they'll never break through. Some people are discouraged. Some people are in fear. Some people are in torment. And God wants to help you see above and beyond your current situation. Above and beyond doesn't mean everyone's going to become a millionaire. That's not what it means. That's not what he's talking about. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think. There are things that God can do that you aren't even allowing yourself to think about. There's things that God can do in you, in your family, in your marriage. Oh, my marriage will never turn around. Why can't it? Why can't God do exceedingly above all that you ask or think? And for some people, they think all they think. You ever met the person that all they think is negative? It'll never happen. I'm going to die. Everything's going to fall apart. I'm going to lose everything. And all they say is negative. You have to switch your thinking. And you have to let God help you with your mind. Let me take you to the story that I really want to jump into today. Second Kings chapter four. Go with me over to Second Kings. If you have your Bible with you, you can open that up. If you have your phone, shut off social media and turn on your Bibles. And let's jump into Second Kings four this morning and let's see what the Lord has to say. Second Kings four. I love this story in the Bible. I don't know if I've preached from it before, maybe once or twice. Um, but the story is a powerful story of seed faith. It's a powerful story, but there's a couple of things in there that I believe God's got for us right now uh, in 2021 that he wants us to understand. So it starts off in verse one. It says a certain women of the wives of the sons of the prophets. So this was a wife who was married to one of the prophets. Uh, during Elisha's time. And she cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. So her husband had passed away. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. 
So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Let me stop there. So she comes to Elisha. Elisha was the main prophet. He was the big guy. And her husband was one of the guys in the school of the prophets. And it doesn't say that he, Elisha didn't refute her statement that he feared the Lord. So he appeared to be a man that genuinely feared the Lord. He appeared to be a good man. Elisha doesn't say otherwise. And so as she comes to him, she's desperate. She comes to him, she's ready. Her sons are getting ready to be taken away as slaves because of the debt that she is in. And she comes to him desperate. And God always blows my mind in how he answers questions. You know, in, in our mind, in my mind, and maybe your mind as well, but in my mind, I see a, a, a desperate woman like this coming and saying, they're getting ready to take away my sons, um, and I, I need you to help me. My, my, probably my response would be, okay, how much do you need, and let me give you the money and get you out of debt. That would be my normal, that's not God's response. But that would probably be my response as a father myself, if my children come to me and say, I need help, then I want to help them and I want to get them out of their trouble. I would probably try to pay off their debt or whatever it is. That's how I think as a father. But God as a father doesn't think the way we think. For, and we have to understand his ways. That's why sometimes we get mad at God, because we don't understand the way God thinks. And nor do we agree. And, and I honestly, and I don't say this with the right, I actually say this kind of condemningly on myself. There's times I disagree with God. There's times I've told God, God, I disagree with you. I don't think he cares, but I, I do struggle sometimes with the ways of God. But I understand he's trying to get me somewhere. He's trying to help me understand something. And here she comes, and when we think of Elisha, we think, well, certainly he'll just help her with what she needs. He'll send somebody to walk through the door with all the money she needs or something like that, and everything will be done. And just like if my children needed something, I would do something. However, there are seasons and times when God's trying to grow us up into maturity. And God wanted to grow her up into maturity and mature her faith and wanted to teach her how to be a giver and not a taker. A lot of people know how to take. They don't know how to give. And when you're desperate, nobody thinks of giving. Most people think of taking. And so God is trying to teach her a principle. And he says to her, the seed for your need, the seed for your harvest is already in your house. Some of us need to understand this today. The seed for your need is in your house. The seed for your harvest is already in your house. You just don't have eyes to see it or ears to hear it. But it's already in your house. She had no idea that that jar of oil was going to be the seed for her miracle. But it is the seed. She didn't realize that the answer to her problem was already in her house. See, Isaiah 55, 10 says, God gives seed to the sower. So God many times has already given a seed. We just don't see it as seed. Every paycheck you get is seed. 
God, what are we going to do with this? I don't see it as seed. I see it as mine. God sees it as seed. Now, what are you going to do with your paycheck? What are you going to do with that bonus? What are you going to do with that stimulus check? What, 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 what? Uh, I thought, you know, COVID, God, I mean, you know, it's, it's, isn't it mine? What are you going to, it's seed. What are you going to do with the seed God gives you? You have a job, that job is a seed. You, the reason you have what you have is so that you can do what God wants you to do. Your house is a seed. There might be people God wants you to take in. It's a seed. What does God want you to do with the seed that you have? And so you probably say, oh, I have no seed. I have nothing. She only recognized one thing she had in her house. And she says, well, I've got this jar of oil. I have nothing else of value in my house. Which is pretty amazing to say that she had nothing else of value in her house. No furniture, no nothing. You got nothing else. About, you can sell. Maybe she sold it all. I don't know. Doesn't say. But the oil was the seed. And God was asking for the only thing she, had, she thought she had left. He said, that's, that's what I want. I want the oil. I want the seed. It was something of value. It was something that she used to bake with, something to cook with. It, it reminds me of the story in 1 Kings 17. If you remember, uh, the woman came to Elijah and said to him, uh, my sons and I, we're on, my, on our last meal. And Elijah said to her, well, instead of making your last meal, make it for me. Remember that story? And he says, oh, she goes, well, I have some flour. We're going to have our last meal. Then we're going to die. He goes, all right, well, don't make it for yourself. Make it all for me. Now, <laughs> if that happened in 2021... He would have been thrown up all over social media. <laughs> Who is this heretic prophet of God who's stealing the last meal from some poor woman and her children? He asked for her last meal. Can you believe this guy? Think about what you would feel. Just me saying it. How does it make you feel? Elijah walks in. She's desperate. She has no more hope. And he, she says, I'm going to make the last minute. And she goes, well, then give it to me. <laughs> See, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He looks at this lady in 2 Kings 4, this wife of the prophet, and says, yeah, that last thing that you've got, yeah, I, I, we need that. And so he asked for the oil. She didn't know the oil was the seed. If you write nothing else down, write this down. Ask God, where is the seed? Ask the Lord, where is the seed? The seed is in your house somewhere. Where is the seed? If you pray nothing else this week, ask the Lord, where is the seed? I need to know where the seed is. Because if you can't see it, if you don't understand where the seed is, you will not be able to plant it to reap the harvest for your life. Satan will try to keep you blinded from the seed. No, it's not that. No, it's not this. It certainly can't be that. But it likely is something that's already in your house or something that's getting ready 
to come to your house. Something that's on its way that you may or may not even know about. I think about us through the years. Let me just give you some personal context with this. We've been planting seeds for probably 25 years, 30 years. This concept has been everything to us. Everything that we've done significantly has come out of a seed. Something that we've planted. Every blessing in our life. Our children came from planting seeds. Our house came from planting seeds. Our cars came from planting seeds. Our relationship. There's seeds that we have planted and we continue to plant throughout the year. There are seeds that we continue to plant. We've given away cars. We've sold cars and given the proceeds. We've given away, I gave away a riding lawnmower as a seed to somebody. I've given uh, out of my bank accounts. We've given out of our 401k. We've given furniture. We've sold furniture and given the proceeds. We've given out of our tax returns. We've given money that people gave to us as a gift. We have given money that people have given us for preaching or whatever else we've done. We, there's seed that we have that we've used from different variety of places that God says, I want that. A few years ago, probably about four years ago, God spoke to us and there was a seed he wanted. We were praying. You know, sometimes during these, every year we ask the Lord, okay, what do you want us to sow? And I want to say this, first of all, we, we give seed every week. You say, what do you mean? Every week on our offering envelope, there's a little line called seed. And we plant every week. I want to keep that thing lubricated every single week. Well, isn't that your tithe? Nope. Isn't that your offering? Nope. I'm specifically designating a seed faith. Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, I'm giving you above and beyond because I'm expecting above and beyond. And so I plant seed. So we do it already every week. But once a year, unless God tells us more, we will give at Easter time, we will give something big. What do you want us to give? Significant to you. What do you want us to, to tie our faith to? And sometimes God will say, tie your faith to this. Sometimes we won't have any clarity, so we'll just give an honoring seed to the Lord for the year. Uh, but this one year, and God's already spoken to us for this year already, we have something that we're tying our faith to. We're going to plant a seed this year for something that God's already spoken to us for this year. But about three, four years ago, uh, one of our children was, was going through something very serious, and it was a big, serious situation. And so we felt like we needed to tie a seed to first fruits for them. And so we, God spoke to me and said, okay, Lord, where's the seed? And God said, sell your van. I said, okay, no problem. Because our, our, I've said this, we've said this so many times, you know, cars to me are a box with four wheels. I don't care. I really don't. It doesn't matter to me. I know some people are, uh, fall in love with their cars. I just, it gets me from A to B. That's why I can walk out of dealers. She can't stand to go with me to dealers. She can't stand. Could I just walk out? I'm like, okay, you're not giving me the price I want. I'm walking out. So I don't care. It's, and I, tell the, I actually tell the guys, the salesman, I'm going, it's just a box with four wheels. I don't care. And so they, they got no leverage on me. And so, but that's how I feel. I mean, literally, there's thousands of cars in Rochester. Take your pick. So it's not like it's the only car left. And so, um, I don't know who I said that for, but whatever. Um, so we, we, God says, I want you to sell your van. I'm like, sure, I'll sell my van. So I start taking some pictures of it, and I'm going to put it up on Auto Trader. I had a really hard time. I'm like, God, what's this? 
I don't care. I'll sell whatever you want me to sell. I'll give whatever you want me to give. I don't care. God, why am I having a hard time selling my van? Like, my flesh didn't want to sell it. I really liked this van. And God said to me, well, because you're having a hard time because it's an idol to you. I'm like, ooh, Scooby, Scooby-Doo, ooh. I said, what? And I'm like, it's an idol. And, he, and, and as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I'm definitely selling it now. Because I don't want nothing to come between me and God. And if this thing's an idol, I'm definitely getting rid of it. And I sold it. But here's the best part. That situation within weeks turned around for the child that we were believing for. Within weeks. Now, I, and I say that carefully because I think some people feel like if God doesn't answer in a certain time frame, there's a fail. But I promise you, every seed you plant from the Lord will not return void. It will return. It just may return different. It may be in different timing, in different season. There might be a deeper work that has to be done in you. There might be some things where you're believing for. Like, let's say you plant a seed for your children or for your marriage or something like that. But in order for your marriage to get better, you need to get better. And you need to work on you. And so while you're planting a seed for your spouse, God's saying, well, we got to talk about you. And we got to work on you. Or you're planting a seed for your kids. And God's like, I need to show you how to discipline them. And so there's things that God needs to work in us many times. And, and it can delay, as it were, um, the, the fullness of what we want. However, even if while you're going through that, God's changing you, the seed's working. The seed is working. If I believe in God for something in my home and in the process God's speaking to me and changing me, then that seed's working. And that seed is breathing life into me and changing my heart and changing my life. And letting, letting that van go was the best thing I did. Now, if you looked at it economically or you looked at it in any natural sense, you'd be like, that's crazy. But I would rather get the results of my children than keep an idol in my house. To me, my children's uh, situation was more important than any idol. In fact, I don't want to keep any idol anyways. If it's an idol to me, I want it to go. If my home's an idol, we need to sell it and get out. If I've got idolatry in my house, it needs to go. If I got idolatry in my life, it needs to go. And so I need God to show me where the seed is. And I can tell you over and over again, there's ways that God has shown me. And he said, OK, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And he's always provided. But he the hardest part of the seed is to figure out what it is. It just is. And so that's why I said to you, if you get nothing else, ask God what the seed is. Where is the seed? Because once you understand where the seed is, it can then help you. Then you say, OK, Lord, now how do we do this? Now where do we go? And as a result, I can tell you, I, my children, and I say this all the time because I'm not going to stop giving God thanks for it because it works. I planted seed for my children to be born. They were born. We couldn't have children for a while, but it was in the seed. And we had to learn that in seeding and sowing. And as we began to sow, we had Tyler, because we had lost our first child back 28 years ago, seven years ago, whenever it was, six years ago. And so we had lost our first child. And so we had believed God. We weren't able to get pregnant. God said, plant a seed. We planted a seed. And God brought Tyler. Then we wanted to have Casey. We planted a seed. And, and God brought Casey. Then we were done, and God brought Colin. 
Like, I guess we got plenty of seed. We're good over here, God. All right, let's shift and focus on some other stuff. But it works. When we wanted to buy a house, we planted a seed. When we wanted to buy a car, we planted a seed. When we wanted to go on vacation, we planted a seed. God's blessed us with house, vacations, cars. He has blessed us. People, in fact, tell you what, the last 12 months, I, I, I think we've been blessed more these last 12 months than almost any other time in our lives. I mean, God has provided for us supernaturally. We've had people give us money. We've had people bless us. We're not rich, but God has blessed us. We're rich in Christ. We're rich in, in life, but we're, you know, God had continues to bless us. But like I said to you earlier, we continue to keep seed in the ground. We continue to plant seeds. And God says, I want you to give to them, give to them. I don't, you can't ask God, well, God, I don't think they need it. I'm only going to give money to the poor. What if God tells you to give money to the rich? Well, they don't need it. And see, this is our problem. We just don't obey God. We do what we think. And God, I gave, but you didn't give what he told you to give. You didn't give how much he told you to give. And you didn't do it to who God told you to do it to. And we have to obey God. Notice what it says here. Let's go to verse 3 and 4. This is where it gets interesting. Verse 3 and 4, 2 Kings 4. Then Elisha said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not just gather a few. And when you come back in your house, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Now for me, I'm a very logical, rational person. And so I have faith, but I struggle with what I know logically or, or rationally. I, I can struggle with both. I know when God speaks to me, I've taught myself how to follow his voice and just go with it. But my, my flesh, my intellect says that's crazy. And so I have to understand God's going to tell me to do crazy things sometimes. And I have to tell my flesh to shut up. I'm sorry, any children in here? I didn't say shut up. But I just said it again. All right, never mind. At any rate, I, I have to tell my flesh to stop talking. And I have to say, okay, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? Think about this for a second. Any normal person she just said to Elisha, Elisha, I have one jar of oil, one crude of oil left. I've got one can of oil left. He's like, all right. Now I want you to go to everybody's house you can go to, all your neighbors, and get all these jars and all these vessels so that you can pour the oil into it. I only got one can. Why do I need more than one vessel? In fact, I've already got the vessel that the oil's in. Why do I need more vessels? A logical person would say, that makes no sense. I already have the vessel that holds the oil. Why do I need more vessels to hold? I don't need more vessels. I need more oil. But Elisha was trying to teach her something here. I'm sure a rational person would say, 
that sounds crazy. Why would I do that? I need somebody to help me. I just don't need to borrow. I don't need to get in more debt. I don't need to owe. Now I owe all my neighbors their vessels again. I don't need to take on more responsibilities. And now I go to my neighbors and my neighbors are going to ask me questions. Well, what do you need it for? Well, why do you need this? And now I've got to go there. How is that going to help me? But I don't think this was a normal woman. I think it's, she was one of two things. A woman in this situation, a mother who's getting ready to lose her kids into slavery, is desperate. You ever seen a mother who gets desperate? I ain't. Mm, 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 I, I'm backing up. You get around a mother who's desperate, who will do anything for her children, who will do anything, she will kill for her children. Mothers can be desperate. This mother could have been desperate. And so sometimes when you're desperate, you're crazy. You will do crazy stuff. You will do crazy. You never would have done it in a normal time, in a normal season. But because everything's out of whack, you do stuff you never would have done. You never would have stolen that loaf of bread from your job. But you have no more food. And you're like, my kids got to eat. I'm taking this bread. You know, there's things you will do that you never would have considered doing because you're desperate. We all can find ourselves in that place. We'd like to think we wouldn't, but we could all find ourselves there. When you're desperate, you don't know what you'll do. And that could have been her, but I don't think that was her. I don't think she was crazy. I think she was obedient. And when you're desperate, it's really hard to hear, but she heard. And I have a feeling she said to the man of God, my husband feared the Lord. Elisha didn't dispute that. I have a feeling that living in a prophet's house with her husband, there was crazy things God asked them to do all the time. You ever see some of the things God asked some of these prophets to do? They'd be run out of the country. There's things that God asked them to do that's absolutely crazy. Here's what I want you to do. They would have been put out. Talk about canceled. They would have been canceled so fast. Some of the prophets, the things God told them. But being in that house, she learned, I believe, she learned that God sometimes asks you to do things and you just obey. She learned that you don't question. She learned in the good times, how to obey God. So when the desperate times came, she was ready. Sometimes you got to learn where everything's going good so that when you are in a place of desperation, that you are able to still hear. And I believe the reason she was able to hear is because she had the same spirit that her husband had and she could obey without rationalizing. God will tell you to do stuff that your rational mind says there's no way. I also believe there's a second application in this passage. The thing that she had was oil. And not only was the oil a faith seed, but I also believe oil can represent 
that which you pour into other vessels. God said, I want you to get other vessels and I want you to pour into them the oil and let it flow. And as we read down further, the more she poured, the more she had. And she began to pour and it kept flowing. Vessels can be containers, but vessels can also mean people, ministries. There might be people God wants you to pour into during your season of need. There might be ministries God wants you to pour into during your season of need. You say, well, I need people to pour into me. But sometimes the best way to get what you need is to pour into somebody else what they need. And you need help right now. You need God to answer. But many times your answer is from you pouring out of what you have. I want you to ask this question as well. Ask the Lord what vessels he wants you to pour your oil into. This is a unique twist on this passage, but I want you to stay with me. This is not wrong to say it this way. But there are people that God wants you to pour into. There are things that God wants you to do. And her answer to her problem was to pour her oil into as many vessels as possible. Elisha said, get as many vessels as you can. Get as many vessels as you can. Get as many as you can. Go house to house, neighbor to neighbor. Get all the vessels you can. And she kept pouring, and she kept pouring. Now, a rational person could have said, I only need one other vessel. That's all I got oil for, is one other person. One other vessel. A lazy person could have said, I don't know where to find vessels. I don't know where to go. Somebody's phone's going off. Help us help you. A lazy person could have said, I don't know. I don't know where to find any vessels. A poor self-image person could have said, I don't think anybody will allow me to pour into them. A overwhelmed person could have said, I can't pour in anybody else. And there's more types of people. But understand, we can all have excuses of why we can't do what God's asked us to do. And this pouring in is a seed. Many times as you pour out to somebody else, God pours into you. Who does God want you to pour out to? What does God want you to pour out? Maybe, I I thought it was interesting too that he said, and shut the door behind you. You know, when God speaks to you a word to do, don't tell everybody. Don't post it up on social media. Well, here's what God told me to do. Here's how I'm going to get my marriage back. Or here's how I'm going to get my money. Or here's how I'm going to... Shut the door and you work it out with God. Sometimes the more people you talk to, the more discouraged you get. Because they're not required to have faith. You are. Don't talk to people and then let them strip away your faith. Let them strip away your hope. Let them strip away. People ask questions. People question you rationally. Are you losing your mind? What do you mean God said to do this? What are you talking about? That couldn't have been God. And people will talk you out of the blessings of God. 
shut the door. But I also saw in the story something she didn't catch. The prophet asked her, what do you have in your house? She said, I've got nothing except this oil. I look at this story and go, she had two well-abled sons. Where were they? If they're going to be taken into slavery, they had to have some... If they were the ones going out and collecting the vessels, they, they couldn't have been two and three years old. So where are our sons? Why weren't they working? Why weren't they bringing in money? Why weren't they helping in the house? Why weren't they... And the other person she had in the house was her. What was she doing to help the house? And as I thought about that and as I considered all this, why... What was going on, I was reminded of many times when you lose a relative, you lose a family member, you lose a child, you lose a parent or somebody, depression sets in, discouragement sets in. And maybe she was in depression. Maybe the boys were in depression. Maybe they were struggling. And so sometimes as parents, when we see our kids have been through a lot, we cover up for our kids. Well, you know, they, they've had a hard, hard year. You know, they can't do everything. And maybe she was doing everything for her boys. You know, it's one thing if, as a parent, you're helping your little children. You know, my wife loved to cut up all the kids' foods into little pieces. So when we'd sit at the dinner table, she'd grab the knife and cut them all up and go, here, here you go. And they'd eat it and they'd chow it down. And so it's one thing if she's doing that at three and four and five. It's another thing if she's doing that at 18, 19, and 20. Now, the truth is she still likes to do it, but we don't let her do it. And so there is some truth there, but I'm going to be in trouble. I'll go this way. We don't help our kids when we don't allow them to be, to grow up and to face reality. They had to face, those boys needed to face reality. They needed to work. They needed to get jobs. They needed to help around the house. And what was so interesting, one word from the Lord, the oil got moving, the boys got moving, the mom got moving. Everybody got moving in the house. The kids were apart, which I think is so amazing. The kids became a part of the miracle. One of the things we have to do is we have to involve our kids in miracles today. Our kids need to see God do miracles. This generation is hungry for the real, and so many of them are not going to accept your God as their God just because you said so. They need to see God do things for themselves. Verse 5 and 6 of this passage says, So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her. So her sons brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And her son said to her, There is not another vessel. And then the oil ceased. So she kept pouring, they kept bringing vessels. She kept pouring, they kept. Can you imagine the look on those boys' face when she kept pouring the oil and it just kept coming and just kept coming? And just kept coming. And they're looking behind it like, where where is it coming from? Can you imagine 
what it did for their faith. Can you imagine what was going on inside of their mind that you mean they're real? You know, I don't know how they felt about God. I don't know if they were upset at God, if they were mad at God. Certainly, there's times that we pray and we don't see God answer our prayers. I, I'm, I'm sure they prayed and asked God to, to heal their dad and it didn't happen. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe, they're, maybe they stopped believing in God. Maybe whatever it is. I don't know. But can you imagine now that they're watching this miracle with their own eyes, what it did for their own relationship with God. Here they are watching this miracle. Miracle. The mom and the two sons watching this miracle, watching God provide, watching God uh, overflow the blessings. They kept bringing vessels filled. Vessel filled. Vessel filled. They obeyed God fully. The prophet said, keep bringing vessels until you run out. They kept bringing vessels. You know, there's times when God tells us to do something and we autocorrect God. It's like, well, I don't know if God wants me to do all that. I'm reminded of a story where King Joash came to Elisha. It's one of Elisha's last Times mentioned in the word before he died. He came to Elisha. Say, Elisha, the Syrians are coming. They're going to destroy us. So Elisha said, Grab a bow and arrows. Grab the bow and arrows. He fired the king. He told the king, Fire it through the window. They fired through. He said, Deliverance is near. Deliverance is here. You can be delivered. You're going to be delivered. But he gave him a clear word. He said, I want you to go outside. I want you to take the arrows and I want you to beat the ground symbolically or prophetically like you're beating the, the Syrians, like you're beating them. And I want you to beat them to defeat them. So King Joash went out. He took the arrows and hit the ground three times. But why did he hit it three times? That's what Elisha wanted to know, too. I believe the reason he only hit it three times is he didn't have faith for more. I believe the reason he hit it three times is he was doing it out of obligation. Well, he said, I got to hit the ground. I'll hit the ground. You know, some people give out of obligation. Some people pray out of obligation. It wasn't real to him. He was hitting the ground. But if you know a great army is coming up to destroy you and your nation, you're going you're gonna to beat that ground. He didn't do it. He did it three times, and Elisha said to him, you're going to lose. You didn't do what I told you to do. You can't adjust the word of the Lord to your own comfort. Well, if I know God said do this, but I'm not comfortable with that. I'm going to do this instead. I've had people say to me, you know, I did. I gave, and I did this, and God didn't do nothing. My First question in my mind, I don't know if I always say it, but my first question is, did you do everything God told you to do? Because sometimes we alter it. We, we, we make our own adjustments. And then we don't know why God just doesn't do it anyways. If you're going to obey God, you've got to obey God. And it's not God doesn't want to do it. God wants to see, are we willing to be obedient? Your above and beyond is in the seed. It's in the seed. What God wants to do, what seed do you need for this year? 
what does God want to do? What miracle? Now, for some of us, we may have nothing in front of us. We need to ask the Lord, what am I believing for? For others of us, we've got it sitting right here in front of us like this lady did. This widow. She had it sitting right in front of her. I need to get out of debt so that my sons don't get taken into slavery. She, she had nothing else on her mind. There's some people, you have this right front and center. You know exactly what you need to seed for. There's other of us, you're not sure. You need to ask the Lord. Because sometimes God will, will tell you something that maybe you were or weren't thinking about. God, what do I need to believe you for? I would ask anyways, even though if you think it's this, Lord, what am I seeding for? What is it that you want me to believe you for? Second Kings 4, verse 7 then says, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell your oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons will live on the rest. Here's what's amazing. And I'll close with this thought. She obeyed the prophet. Not only did God take care of her debt, God gave her enough to live on for her needs. God gave her provision. He said, live on the rest. Live on the rest. He supernaturally provided. Not only did he, she was worried about her sons being taken in as slaves. God did exceedingly, abundantly, above all that she asked or thought. God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. I promise you, you do not, you cannot outthink God. You do not have thoughts that are higher than God's thoughts. You do not have ways that are higher than God's ways. God will open doors, but it's our obedience. God, what do you want me to do? As I was praying, I really felt like this story, I needed to do something specific with it. Do you have the oil there? I had it right there a second ago. I really felt like the Lord spoke to me. And I've, we've made up enough for everybody here. And we've prayed over these. And it's oil. And I'm believing. I felt like the Lord said, I, we need to sow this into you as a seed. And as you take this, you begin to pray and ask God to anoint you to see to hear, to do what he wants you to do. What vessels does he want you to pour into? What does he want you to anoint? Maybe you need to anoint your pillows at night to sleep. Maybe you need to anoint your children. Maybe you need to anoint your wallet. Maybe you need to anoint your car to work. Whatever it is, what do you need the anointing to touch? I need the anointing to touch my mind to hear God's voice to increase my faith, touch my ears, touch my eyes, that I can see what he wants me to do. What, how does he want me to believe? Because sometimes we have faith, but we have faith for something God didn't tell us to have faith for. And so we struggle. I, but if I know God told me to have faith for something, I can lock in and believe God. Now, do I get every answer the way I want it? I don't. 
but I usually get an answer that I need. And God begins to speak to me and God begins to show me. And and the more I sow, the more I keep sowing, the more I keep pouring, I keep pouring, I keep pouring, the more God keeps giving me over and over again. And I know that for some of us, you may even feel like 2020 stole your anointing, stole your oil, stole your life. I'm here to tell you there's a fresh anointing today. There's a fresh oil that he wants to give you, a fresh oil that he wants to pour upon you. The second thing, and I'm going to do this as we leave with the oil, but the second thing is at your seats, you should see an above and beyond envelope. I want you to pick this up and I want you to pray over it. I'm not going to ask you to fill it out today. But you'll see about the fourth line down. It says, my commitment amount is this. What does God want you to do? What is the seed that God wants you to give? There should be envelopes. Is there envelopes at every seat? Okay. And so I want you to pray over this. If you're married, I want you to pray with your spouse. I want you to get your children involved and let your children pray. My children, we've encouraged them to give seed offerings since they were little and tie their faith to it. Now that they're older, they need to do this for themselves. They need to ask the Lord. My youngest is 18. My oldest is 23. They're old enough to learn from themselves how to depend on God. I can't always run interference for them. Now they've got to be of the age where they see God do miracles for themselves. And so I want you to take this, and I want you to pray about it. You can play a little something. Thank you. I want you to pray about it. Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? Maybe he'll tell you something now. Maybe there's something you're supposed to tie your faith to, and you want to write it at the bottom. I'm tying my faith to this, my job, my marriage, my children new car. Whatever it is God puts on your heart, I say it very carefully because I don't, God's above and beyond is not materialistic. So I, if you're in the materialist, I'm believing God for a million dollars. Well, unless you need a million for something, that probably is not from the Lord. Unless you actually need it to buy something that he wants you to buy. So ask the Lord. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with all this. That's fine. Well, you're not a sinner. I'm giving you a tool to help you grow in your faith. If if you don't want it, that's fine. You don't have to do with it. Well, you know, there's some guys on TV. Yeah, I know. There's some guys that do it for their own gain. I don't have any personal gain in this at all. It's all about you. It's all about getting you set free. Elijah sat with that widow and ate her cakes, her last batch of cakes, but it was about her faith. It was about her faith. Elisha sat with this widow. It was about her faith. Whatever God asks you to do, that's what you do. Ask God, where's the seed? First question. Second question. What am I believing for? Third question. Who am I supposed to pour into? Who am I supposed to pour into? Ask God to show you. 
I honestly believe there's some here today, you're not even on this page. You're like, I'm just trying to survive, Pastor. I'm just trying to make it. I'm here to shift your thinking this morning. You've got to shift. God wants to meet your need, but you've got to focus on the things of God. You've got to shift and allow God to speak to you. And that's why I want to give you this anointing oil. As we pray it over it, we'll have some up in the front here in a minute that we'll give you. As you go out, you can just, we'll hand it to you. If you don't want to come up front, I think they'll have some in the back. You can just grab it from there. Don't take five or six. Just take one for yourself. If you have adult children, they can take one. Any adult can take one. But I want you to, this is our seed. This is what I believe God wants to do in you. He wants to shift this year for you. What does God want to do? How does God want to use you this year? And what does God want to show you this year? There's great blessings. And then next week, if you have your commitment card, you can bring it. If you have offering, you can bring it. You can bring it anytime. Pastors can pray with you. I pray with people. I just lay my hands. And you just tell me, what are you believing for? And I come into agreement with you for what you're believing for. Any of the pastors can do that. Any of the leaders can do that. What are you believing for? What, do you, what is God speaking to you? And give your seed. And ask the Lord to show you the seed. Let's stand this morning. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.